Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations, where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I am Jillian Landis, and I'm Marie Wallace, and we are your hosts today. Hey everybody, welcome to Braveheart Conversations. My name is Jillian Aurora, and I'm here today with my co-host, Marie, Marie Wallace. Wallace. <laughs> Hi. So glad to be here with you today. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about surrender and finding your way to flow. Um, I want to welcome our listeners on Facebook Live as well as our listeners on Spotify and Podbean, whatever platform you are coming to us today, however you're listening in, we appreciate you and we appreciate wherever you're coming from. So um, whether you're catching this live or on the replay, welcome. Yes, welcome. And um, if you are on Spotify or Podbean, you can find us on Facebook um, in our group, Braveheart Conversations Podcast. So if you go to facebook.com slash group slash Braveheart Conversations, and you can follow some of the conversation a little more deeply. So with that, um, yeah, welcome today in this topic of surrender, surrender and finding your way to flow. Marie's going to open us up with a poem. And this is by Rumi. He's one of my favorites. It's called Zero Circle. Be helpless and dumbfounded, unable to say yes or no, then a stretcher will come up from grace to gather us up. We are too dull-eyed to see the beauty. If we say yes, we can, we can, we'll be lying. If we say no, we don't see it. That no will behead us and shut tight our windows into spirit. So let us not be sure of anything besides ourselves and only that. So miraculous things come running to help. Crazed, lying in a zero circle, mute, we will be saying finally, with tremendous eloquence, lead us. When we've totally surrendered to that beauty, will become a mighty kindness. And that's Rumi in the year 1207, still, <laughs> still relevant today. And what I wanted to say about surrender, surrender people usually think of like in police situation, it's like hands up, you know, surrendering to authority. And what if that surrender was just the source you know, the authority of our spirit. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where Your I want. inner boss. Your inner boss. I just wanted to talk about that today. Yeah, um, I love that idea of surrendering and specifically surrendering to yourself. It's a, it's a really courageous process. Mm -hmm. um, probably the most courageous thing I've ever done or continue to do is that process of surrender. And like surrender to me, what comes up is generally like just accepting things out the way that I want them to be. Mm -hmm. And um, we can have a really strong willpower to have things the way that we think that they should be. Yeah. Um, that's a really powerful word too, should. Should. <laughs> Surrender's like the opposite of should. <laughs> it's just the way things be. <laughs> just the way things be. Um, so I think that that's, that's really powerful. Um, and I think surrender to me implies a curiosity or an acceptance instead of a rigidity because if I think that things have to be a certain way or they should be a certain way then I'm not really curious or accepting of what is real what's mm -hmm. what's around me or how they could possibly be better that's my thing is how could I 
how do I have access to more possibilities of curiosity and openness? So feeling things and opening our hearts up to that things could look differently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we block our own way, kind of like the poem said is no could behead us. We're not opening up and surrendering and, and to the ways things could be. Yeah. And uh, Jill and I've talked about this this week. We, um, my sister went with her, her daughter to live in a home in Arizona and at first I was way resistant and it was hard because I'm a caregiver and I have been a caregiver for five years and sometimes being in that role it, it gets confusing and it gets overwhelming and we aren't feeling the feelings we're just doing the next thing and that's why I like the idea of opening up feeling the feelings and allowing possibilities because I could be blocking mm -hmm. something that's really better for someone else and for me because mm -hmm. in this particular situation though it's a difficult one it's really best for her and for us and then joe and i have um, some more time to ourselves because we had barely gotten kids out of the house and now we get more time but it also allows her to get more access to care and the possibilities for her because we could have been blocking her from doing the things that will really feed her soul mm -hmm. and that's helping others because she gets these opportunities to to be in that open space of art and dance and music and get to be with other people that she can help yeah. and access and so I think that becomes she becomes more of being her purpose and so anyway I'm that's what brought this topic of surrender. Mm -hmm. I love um, bringing it around to accepting illnesses and yeah. loved ones or that caregiving role. It's really, it's hard. Um, and that's been a big part of my journey as well has been caregiving. And, and I don't think I've experienced a greater um, experience specifically surrendering. Mm -hmm. um, when you're dealing with somebody who has addiction or a mental illness or something that you, you have a hard time seeing how it could possibly be a good thing, mm -hmm. um, all you can really see is how you think it should be. Yes. And how you think someone should be sober or they should be well, they should be um, the way that you want to see them. And so the surrendering process often is in a way that makes no sense. Um, it's going against everything in our being that we've been told it's supposed to be. And like, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to watch too. somebody else's pain. Like that I realized I wanted to save and rescue other people mainly because I was so uncomfortable watching them in pain. And that was a huge epiphany for me that it wasn't actually because I loved them so much. It was because mm -hmm. I was so uncomfortable with pain watching and attached to pain. that outcome. Yeah. And so, um, I remember I joined Al-Anon many years ago, uh, because of how much I was struggling with somebody else's addiction. And, um, there was a beautiful man there who he would always say, um, I wonder what good is going to come of this. You know, we could, all be bringing up the worst scenarios yeah. in our lives and he would always come back to I wonder what good is gonna come from this the wonder and the curiosity opens up this space for something new and different mm -hmm. and we're not blocking it so yeah 
And it's listening to that inner authority because there's so much wisdom inside of us. It's it's our greatest toolbox. And, and sometimes we distract ourselves from that resource yeah. of knowing that it could be different, but we, yeah. we're not quiet enough to listen. Well, I think, I think there's no cut and dry answer. Right. That's for sure. Especially when you're dealing with a loved one who is sick or, um, or you're in a caregiving role where they're dependent on you that it can get icky really fast. Um, and it's so important to check in to that inner boss. What do I, what do I feel inspired to do? Sometimes the answer is I do feel inspired to be in this role, to take care of this person. Mm -hmm. And then that may be a season. And then it's time to say, well, my inner boss is really saying, I'm tired, I'm fed up, I'm resentful. It's not my turn anymore. Mm -hmm. And to be equally okay with either mm -hmm. one, that there's no should, there's no have to. No. Like, I may have a sick spouse, I may have a sick sibling, I may have a sick mother, or whatever the whoever the person is. And I think what often happens is we have a list of rules that govern what we think we're supposed to do, mm -hmm. especially with family. Especially. Yeah. Especially because other people's expectations of you as well, inside the family and outside the family, their expectations of mm -hmm. what you should be, could be doing when they have no idea of what's going on in right. that particular relationship. The other thing we can do is die on our sort of martyrdom oh yeah <laughs> i'm this great person doing this thing because i've somehow been fed by that and and i don't want to die on that sword either it's not serving either her or us if i if i do that or put myself in that role mm -hmm. that role and keep us from both being our greatest Yes, and I like that, that you flow of abundance that when we're going back to flow. <laughs> yeah, when we are acting as a martyr, I think what often changes the whole dynamic and it's really icky is if I think I'm a martyr because I'm taking care of you, then you suddenly owe me, mm -hmm. right? And everybody else owes me because look at how great I am. Look at how much I'm sacrificing <laughs> yeah. myself. You know, we start to feel entitled that you know you now owe me something now our our dynamic is the power differential yep. is very very strained and I can't connect with you anymore and that's super important um, that was a huge thing I learned in Al-Anon as well we talked about uh, I think it's the three M's um, mothering martyrdom and manipulation there you go and um yeah like those those are i have to check in often and and look at my motivation so we can add that to the m's what's my motivation for doing this mm -hmm. and so i had to do that quite often to make sure my motives were really for her and that relationship and protecting it now i get to now i get to i get to I, we call it the Disneyland, and maybe that's, but I get to actually be in relationship that's equal. Yeah. And that she, we can enjoy the best of each other instead of her owing me yeah. or me feeling resentful or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, I know. Um, I've had I've had different relationships that have been caregiving or um, or just sick family members. Addiction is. So I've had like, I've had a variety. I've had the the addicted spouse or or the romantic partner but I've also had just family members that struggle with mental illness and um, and I came from a social work background so 
um, that also added another layer of shoulds or rules like, well, you know all this stuff, so you should be helping. <laughs> um, and I remember over and over and over setting the boundary, I'm not wearing the social work hat today, I'm wearing the family hat. And that was so key for me because I saw over and over what happened when people would overstep and they would become a professional in a family member's life instead of the supporter. And it ends badly in those relationships because what often happens is um, that power dynamic changes and there's such a sense of you owe me or look at how great I'm being for yeah. you, right? Because that's what happens when we're being a martyr. Look at how great I'm being for you and now you owe me whatever. It could be gratitude. Mm -hmm. It could be you owe me being nice to mm -hmm. me. You can't be a little shit to me anymore. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> because I will You should appreciate me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and those feelings are real and they're powerful. And so um, I... I really experienced that the more I kept myself out of that zone and I said, you know, you have this team of professionals and I'm going to rely on that, utilize that, and I'm going to play this family role where I get to be more of, more of an emotional supporter. I'm going to have fun with you. I'm mm -hmm. going to have conversations that aren't about your They're meaningful. illness. And yeah, exactly. Soul filling. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and, and that has allowed me to maintain much more vibrant, pure relationships where I don't have that sense of um, entitlement. And like when that person is having a hard time and they are in the midst of their illness, I mean, they can call me a bunch of names. And you know what happens? I go... I'm going to turn off the phone because I know this isn't good for our relationship. Not healthy. And I fully trust that all of the professionals on your team are going to take great care of you. And that saves our relationship, has saved our relationship over and over and over. Because that's not the role I play. And I'm really clear about the role I play. And I don't like watching anybody experience illness. Right. Um, and there is always a sense of surrender because you don't want to watch that person no. go into that hole again or to experience those horrible feelings again. Or But it's none of my business. It's not. This is their life and their choice and how they're choosing to live their life. And it's just none of my business. It's painful. It's difficult because especially us as coaches or our, our business backgrounds, we know that we have some tools that could help, but if they're not ready or they don't want to, or it's really not appropriate right. for me because it is my job to be supportive and in that role. And yeah. Well, and I really want to bring it back to also the difference between the rules versus my inner boss. And I don't think we give adequate credit to how strong those rules feel, those mm -hmm. societal rules. In order to be a good mom, you must... XYZ. Yeah. In order to be a good spouse, you must all of these things. In order to be a good sibling, you must do all of these things. Um, those are so strong. And even if our inner voice, our inner boss is telling us to do something different, we often... It's a default. We will default to the rules. Yeah. And um, that that's kind of a scary thing. It's a toxic thing because our, our inner voice knows best really knows best. So if we're feeling resentful, and we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. if we're feeling resentful or angry or frustrated, like we get to listen to those indicators and 
even at the expense of breaking these rules, even at the expense of not being a good person or being a good whatever, mm -hmm. friend, family member, spouse, um, even at the expense of breaking those rules, I get to follow my inner voice. And sometimes that is saying, you know, I'm not feeling called to be a caregiver. I'm not mm -hmm. feeling called to play this role. And there aren't any shoulds in the world of your inner boss. There's no shoulds. Nope. You're only doing what you feel inspired to do. Now, and that, there's freedom and joy in that too. So Lots of much. freedom. Yeah. Lots of joy for both of us. It's both and. It's not just me feeling better. Eventually, they feel better, too, and they'll see it. They may not be able to see the big picture right away, but eventually they will. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, part of part of surrender for me has been acknowledging my lack of control or role in their life. I used to think I had so much influence <laughs> in everybody's life. I've been there, too. And uh, I can remember um, so many romantic relationships, especially, where I, I really fed into this idea that, you know, you'd be lost without me. And, you know, they would feed this, too. This is part of the toxic dynamic. You, you know? complete me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you're the one and it's this, you know, very um, obsessive kind of relationship. Um, but I really thought that I had a lot of control and influence over helping someone get sober or get better mm -hmm. um, and fix themselves. It's my duty. We That that plays a big role, too. It's my it's duty. those rules. Yeah, it's those roles. Mm -hmm. nope. But... Um, there was a, a big piece of surrender for me, which was saying, you know, after years of trying, finally that, you know, waving the white flag, it's worse now than it ever was. You know, mm -hmm. I haven't made the, the change that I thought that I could. And it's easy to get stuck in that cycle where you continually, and I've seen this go on for years, you know, a lifetime mm -hmm. where people think, women especially, think that they have the power to change somebody else. And, they do. And they never get out of it. And um, we can't see it because we're so deep in the cycle of it that we can't see it. I think that's what happens. Or I feel that's what's happened to me in the past is I'm just so enmeshed in that too, which mm -hmm. is also a codependent way to be that I like in this case I've always been a caregiver especially because she's my youngest sister right and right. it's I've always been in that role and so now it feels it feels good but it also feels like a disequilibrium because it's it's a it's a shift but it's a it's a it's a good shift and so it's looking at those things that are maybe um, out of alignment just because it's the way it's always been yeah. going back to your rules or going back to those tapes that are, it's my default. Yeah. Oh, I got a new default now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think after surrender for me, what comes is man, it's, it's so hard because you get a wave of all of these feelings mm -hmm. of guilt and like, I'm abandoning them. That's a huge one. I'm abandoning oh, them and I'm disappointing them and all of these things because... That's still tender for me because it's only been two days, but yes, that abandonment's the first thing you're going, but I could have and all the things 
that you wish you could have or would have done. So yeah, there's that abandonment is yeah. big. So I'm glad you brought that up. And it's so tough. Like I see that as one of the biggest reasons why women don't leave whatever the relationship is, whether it's a relationship with a man or it's a caregiver Especially relationship. Especially we've been abandoned before. <laughs> right. And it's such a big trigger word. You're being selfish or you're abandoning me or like there's a bunch of really, really like high charge words. Um, and, and that's a big one where we're so afraid of abandoning someone and like the worst part, the worst time is like the, the first couple of months away where those feelings are so strong because you can feel the rift, you know, mm -hmm. because the norm has been to be enmeshed. Mm -hmm. The norm has been, even if it was toxic, even mm -hmm. if it was icky and disrespectful and dishonoring it, it was, still the, was known the norm too yeah, yeah it's what you know it's it's the norm and so knowing that this person is suffering and i'm kind of suffering you know and maybe maybe we even feel guilt for the sense of relief we feel i felt that yesterday feeling the guilt of relief yeah. that one hit me hard it's like yeah I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm way sensitive today, you guys. <laughs> I'm so glad that yeah. you're you're here in this space Me because too. like I hope everybody sees like this is yeah. life. This is real life, man. <laughs> and this is brave. It, and it's... guess what? I have tissues. <laughs> Yay! Relief. There's a there's guilt in that relief. You know that I want to live my life and enjoy my husband and. Um, and not that I didn't before, but it looks different when it can be just you two and you know, so there was that yesterday. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. You can always count on me together. <laughs> Press that button. No, but that's I... okay. Cause it lets people know that it's real and it's happening right now. And, and I know this pain of like feeling relieved, like very intimately. Because there's been many relationships I've chosen to release, and and I do feel relieved, and I know that they don't, mm -hmm. and that sucks. That's, That's the so hard part. Hard too. Mm -hmm. Because you know that it's not what they want, and and it's such a process to even get to the point of acknowledging that this is what I want, and um, to to be okay with disappointing somebody else. And, um, but the, here's the gift. Here's what I wanted to get to is we have the surrender. We have all these waves of emotions of guilt for feeling relieved, for abandoning someone. And yet what often ends up happening, what I've seen over and over is I've watched that person struggle, but then find their power and mm -hmm. find their way. And I very often have found that I hindered people mm -hmm. from finding what they needed because yeah. I had all the answers, but mm -hmm. they weren't their answers. They were my answers. And so I've watched people, you know, I remember um, a relationship with um, one of my, my previous romantic partners you know he was really struggling he was getting into all sorts of trouble with the law very addicted to pills and alcohol and you know a couple of years of being away from me and his life's back together and he's like successful and and uh, stable and so it's tough to look at that when it, it's like well you know take out me from the equation exactly. and all of my fixing and helping and look what happens. So um, we often think we know what's best for someone mm -hmm. and it's surrendering 
really to the idea that I have not a fucking clue what is best for you. Um, I, I get to stay in my lane and make decisions about my life and, and it's none of my business to overstep into someone else's. I was thinking about that too. Um, cause we talked about it a little bit earlier about the blocking that we're blocking them from being resilient even cause what I've seen and this is kind of cool. There's there's a scene in Gone with the Wind where Scarlett O'Hara is leaving and she's like got her shoulders up and you could see that she was going to be resilient. And it's the same way I saw that in my sister when she was braving this big thing. It's scary. It's unknown. It's so crazy. But the gift is, is getting to feel resilient because... Having a big sister watch over you all the time keeps you from being empowered. So in this particular situation, she gets to be empowered. Yeah. And so, yeah, think about if you could be blocking someone from owning their power. Or mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, we can be a powerful catalyst for change, but we can also be a really powerful catalyst for staying stuck. Mm-hmm. And I have often... We don't a, like to think about that. <laughs> no, but I've often been a catalyst for keeping people stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a catalyst for keeping someone addicted, keeping mm-hmm. someone in a place where, you know, they all of their basic needs are met so they don't really have to look at the fact that their life is really in such a desperate place because I'm pillowing it all. <laughs> You know, I'm the big giant I like that. Pillow. I like that. That's a great way to say and, that. And really, life, you know, pain in life, disease, addiction, any of it, pain in life, if I it forces you pain, to make a change. Yeah, and it's a gift. It is a gift from, from God. It is a divine gift pointing us back to self-love. So if I experience pain in my body, if I have an illness, it's telling me something. It's telling me how to love myself better, how to give myself more of my attention, more of my focus, more of my gentleness. Um, that's more of really my compassion. Important. I don't need to rob someone of their pain because that is their gift from the divine, telling them how to love themselves better. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of my life stealing that pain, stealing those gifts from other people. Mm-hmm. So some of that surrender is surrendering to this power that knowing this pain, whatever they're experiencing, is not an accident. It's there for them. Mm-hmm. And I get to then hold a much different space. I'm holding space for them in having that pain, not trying to take it away from them. Mm-hmm. Which is so different than previously of trying to take it, trying to change it. So your sister is experiencing some pain. Quite a bit, yeah. Because but I talked to her yesterday, she's sounding better. She's becoming resilient. I was thinking of the movie The Grinch, you know, how he takes all their presents and he's expecting this great big outcome and then they're just happy because then they realize. And I think it's the same kind of thing is, is we are resilient creatures. We'll figure yeah. out a yep. way to deal with it and handle it and, and thrive in that environment. Well, that's so huge, too, is what I also realized I was doing, is I wasn't believing in people. That's true. So um, I'm so glad that you say that your your sister is resilient, because it is that belief. And what I'm saying to someone, if I say... I don't trust you. Right. If I say, here, (laughs) let me help you do that. It's like, 
it's really telling them, I don't believe you can, so let me do that for you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very disempowering. So I think very often the most empowering thing we can do is holding this space and saying, I know you got this. Go, girl. And I'm not going to help you because I know that... I really believe that you've got this. Like, that's powerful. Those actions are way more powerful than the words. And even saying it to them, too, could be powerful. Huge. But Mm -hmm. if I'm saying to them, I know you got this, let me do it for you. (laughs) Yeah. Our actions are speaking louder. (laughs) Way more. So, anyway, I want to see what questions we have here. We've got quite a few people. Hello. Amber, Wendy, Des, Pam. Heather. Theodore, Heather, thank you all so much for joining. I don't see any questions, so if you guys, if anything is pinging for you, get on now because we're going to wrap it up here soon. Um, but if you have any questions about how to surrender and really how to give someone else back their power um, and how to navigate that caregiving role, hop on and, um, yeah, give us some feedback. Yeah. So really some tough stuff today. This is the In the Trenches work. and. Yeah. Thanks for guiding me through that. <laughs> yeah. We're, well, using our clean. I would say you haven't been my friend long enough if you haven't seen me cry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I feel those emotions. So, yes, you'll see us cry. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you have other things that you would like us to talk about, we love talking about what's on your heart, on your minds. Think those burning questions that you might have or... Yeah. You can, Tough topics. That's why it's Braveheart conversations. These are the conversations we get to have with ourselves and with those people that we care about. Yep. Yeah, there isn't a place we won't go. So no. bring it on. Um, if if you do have questions that you'd rather share privately or anonymously, please um, email us. Uh, you can reach me at defytheaverage at gmail.com. And me and Marie at mariesgold.com. And of course, again, please join us on our Facebook page yeah. where you can um, you can ask questions there or send us a message or um, just be more involved in the conversations. And that is facebook.com slash group slash I am unapologetic. To see your questions in real time. Yeah, right. yeah. So you can uh, start discussions there and yeah, bring up any, any topics that ping for you that you'd like us to talk about. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. Next week, we won't be going live. Um, I will be out of town. So just so you all know, we will be posting a podcast, but it won't be live. Um, so there you yeah. go. I am, I'm hoping to get a nice suntan. I'm going to be with my family in uh, Hawaii. <laughs> I'm sneaking in your suitcase. <laughs> Please do. Oh, my gosh. I would be love to be somewhere tropical right now. <laughs> So anyway, I hope you guys have a good couple of weeks. I love you very much, and yeah. we'll talk soon. Thank Bye-bye. you. Step into love like you've never been hurt before. Step into trust like you've never been burned before. Would you just stop and